All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hello, friend. This is an episode of Note to Self, but from when we used to be called New Tech City. Same good content, just the old name. Enjoy. From WNYC, this is New Tech City, where digital gets personal. I'm Anoush Samarodi, and here are some of the people who have signed up for our bored and brilliant project. I'm using the phone anywhere from two to four hours a day. I unlock the screen an average of 65 times a day. That's a lot. I've spent about average an hour on my phone. The first five days after I set my limit at two hours, I was egregiously over it every day. During the week, that number shoots up to somewhere between two hours to up to three hours. I want to wrestle back my time. Eli Mendel, Holly Beck, Danielle Schroyer, Stefan Shveshnikov, and James Green. And over 12,000 other people have signed up to rethink their relationship to their smartphone and hopefully jumpstart your creativity as part of the Bored and Brilliant project. So to prepare ourselves for next week when we are actually doing a week of challenges, six days in a row when we have a task for you to try and complete, it's going to be fun and get you thinking. But first... On this episode, we're going to give you an early preview of the data that we've been getting from you and stories from other participants about what their goals are. And we're also going to get the latest research from two people joining us for this episode. Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman is scientific director of the Imagination Institute at the University of Pennsylvania, and he's on the line from Philadelphia. Hi, Scott. Hello, how are you? Good. And Dr. Mary Helen Imordino-Yang is a neuroscientist and human development psychologist at the Brain and Creativity Institute at the University of Southern California. And she's with us from Manhattan Beach in California. Hi. Hi there, Mary Helen. Okay, so Scott, Mary Helen, your names have come up time and time again as I have done my research on boredom and creativity and technology. So I am so thrilled that you two are here. Well, thanks. Thanks and, for having us. And you guys know each other, too. It's a small world, I'm assuming, in this in this field. Yeah, we yeah. do indeed. We're good friends. Awesome. Yeah, Mary Helen rocks. <laughs> oh, Scott, you're silly. <laughs> All right, cool. So I want to delve much deeper into both, uh, both of what you do. But first, I want to tell you a little bit more about some of the people that have signed up. We've got people from pretty much just about every state. The highest concentration of participants is in New York City, San Francisco, L.A., D.C., Chicago, and bizarrely, Arkansas. I don't know why. <laughs> why is that bizarre? I don't know that, why that would be bizarre, but okay. Of all the states? I don't know, but I love yeah. that. Anyway, so I want to play you a clip of one of our participants. Her name's Tina Wack. She's a student at Bard College, so New York State, and she's working on her senior thesis. And she's been tracking her phone use with one of our partner apps, and here's what she discovered. So far, I've been spending between 150 and 200 minutes on my phone per day. And I've been picking up my phone 70 to 100 times per day. 
And it's really concerning because that's so much time that I could have spent doing something more productive, more creative, more towards myself. And I sort of knew that I was spending too much time on my phone. I was just always so inclined to reach for it whenever there was like a dull moment. Instead of just sort of staring blankly or sort of just thinking about things. Okay, so Tina and a lot of our participants have reported having just this this feeling that their phone is disrupting their thought process. But is there any data to support that? Mary Helen, do, do you know if there's any data? We're beginning to get data that does support that. So it's mostly circumstantial evidence. It's not causal at this point. So we don't, you know, there are no sort of random controlled studies where you say, you, you have a cell phone in your life and you, you don't. And now let's measure things about you because we, we don't have any studies like that. But what we do have are these kind of intriguing correlations. So Tina's not alone in noticing uh, that she feels like the technology is kind of interrupting her ability to think and be uh, sort of creative and to get inside her own thought space and create things there. Um, a lot of people have been noticing and describing that, that trend. And so what we've been looking at is correlations between how people use media, and in my case, especially how young people use media, and what that means for their ability to manage their life. So, so I just actually just have new findings from this morning from a, a, a new project with adolescents in Los Angeles, downtown uh, and inner city kids, where we actually looked at their media use and their self-described social multitasking uh, two years ago when the kids were 14 and 15 years old. And we asked them, you know, when you're doing your homework, how many other ways are kids talking to you? What other kinds of social media are on? What are you attending to? And then we got a score for how much multitasking in social media kids are doing. And what we found is this, you know, preliminary but very intriguing correlation that kids at age 14 and 15 who were uh, more engaged in multitasking with social media were actually less empathic in their reactions to other people, and they also are less imaginative two years later about their own possible future and about their sort of proposed imaginative solutions to world problems Hmm. like violence in their neighborhood, for example. So we did a survey, actually, of a 1,000 of our participants, and and this speaks to exactly what you're saying, nearly 70% of them said that the reason that they signed up is because they feel that they don't have enough time to sit and think. I'm guessing that that doesn't surprise you, Scott. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And, and by the way, that, uh, that story we already heard um, from the, the, the college student, um, you know, she really hit the nail on the head in so many ways. She even said, you know, I don't have time to really get in touch with myself. You know, all this is bearing out in research. Okay, so 75% of the people who have signed up for the Bored and Brilliant Project and took our survey are female. So those are the people that took the survey. We don't know, actually, if of the 12,000 who are signed up, if they are. Are there more females in Arkansas? (laughs) Good question. We'll find out. The average age of our participants is 36 years old. Half of them are married. About 40% have kids. And the issue of parenting has come up a lot. I would like to play you a clip of Sarah Murray. She has a little one at home, and here's one of the things that she wants to change about how she uses her phone. Mostly use Facebook to zone out um, in between boring parenting tasks and or when I'm winding down for the evening. So I think I would have to really force myself to think about something new, (laughs) meaning a new way to wind down, a new way to distract myself, a new way to fill the very few empty spaces in my day. 
I mean, I just relate to this so much. I play a game on my phone, and it has become my scotch and soda, you know? Like, maybe back in the day I would have made my fixed myself a gin and tonic. I play this game now. So, Mary Helen, like, is there... Are we looking at our phones because it's just easy? It's 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 harder to confront our personal stuff. Why do that when we can update Facebook or play a game? I think so. We have this kind of need to feel productive, and we also get into a kind of a, a habit, if you will, where we expect there to be kind of incoming information all the time. There's some evidence that we train our brains even to expect this kind of constant inflow of information. And we we have to sort of mindfully step back and say, wait a minute, I, I don't need any more information to make sense out of. Let me stop and reflect on what happened in my real life already today. More and more people are starting to recognize that they need that time, but it's only out of necessity because uh, you know, no one in the wide world is going to give it to you unless we start taking it back. So I think it's very um, telling that so many people are saying this on your survey and are also uh, engaging with it because it, it really gives us a sense of the urgency of this need, especially for people who are so socially engaged all day, such as, you know, parents of young children, um, needing a space to kind of have some thinking. Uh, but instead, we're filling it with kind of the easier thing to do, which is just entertainment. Okay, so we're going to take a little break, but coming up on New Texas. We're going to talk more to Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman and Dr. Mary Helen Imordino-Yang about what they think the potential long-term effects of us using our smartphones could be. And we're also going to hear from a guy called Eric Silver, who is having a tough time with his phone while he's at work. I'm finding myself wanting to tweet while I'm there, and that doesn't exactly inspire any confidence in me as a teacher. Okay, we'll be right back. Samarodi, and this is New Tech City. And I just got some really interesting numbers from the developers of the apps that we're partnering with. There's Moment for iPhone, Break Free for Android, and they both track how much you use your phone and how many times a day you check it. So according to an early look at the data, you spend about an average of between 90 to 100 minutes a day on your phone, and you check your phone an average of 40 to 50 times a day. Fridays, by the way, big phone day. It's the day that you use your phone the most. So to help us understand ourselves and our phones as we get ready for our week of the bored and brilliant challenges, we've got psychologist Scott Barry Kaufman in Philadelphia and neuroscientist Mary Helen Imordino-Yang in Manhattan Beach. Does that include Friday evenings? Yes, it does include Friday evenings. So maybe it's making plans as well. They're using Tinder. <laughs> it's, that is entirely possible. To find dates. Yeah. <laughs> So, Scott, I want to start with you in this part. I am so curious. You know, one thing that keeps coming up is the word mindfulness. Where does mindfulness fit into all of this meditation? It's definitely hot right now. But how is mind wandering different or are they related in some way? Um, it's a really great question, and I've been trying to uh, contemplate the paradoxes of the benefits of mindfulness and the benefits of mind wandering. And I think it can be reconciled by just understanding that there are different ways you can be mindful. There are different things you can be mindful of. Not all forms of mindfulness are equally conducive to creativity. There's some really interesting recent research on this showing that um, the sort of return to the breath, ignore any thoughts that enter your mind kind of mindfulness meditation can actually be detrimental to creativity. Huh. 
whereas more active, open-minded awareness meditation where you're just non-judgmentally open to any thoughts that arise as well as anything in your environment to really be observant and openness to new experiences. That's the form of mindfulness that is most conducive to creativity. That's so interesting because we asked our participants, the ones that we surveyed, what they wanted to change about their phone usage. And 40% of them said that they wanted to cut down on the constant checking of their phone, Mm -hmm. sort of the mindless checking. Uh, Mary Helen, I'm I'm hearing notes of scientific (laughs) empathy there. Mm -hmm. So what we know about how the the brain works to create these kind of um, mindfulness, that's the kind that Scott was talking about. So mindfulness where you're in a place and you're noticing what's going on and you're open to experiencing, which basically means you're ready to try to make meaning out of the things that you notice. And so what people are noticing, I think, intuitively is that as they start to imagine in ways that feel good and that feel productive and potentially creative, they're getting interrupted and they're kind of compulsively getting pulled out of that brain state and mind state that are conducive to this kind of mindful creative thinking. And instead, their behavior is being driven by a contextual stimulus, we would say, by something in the world that's saying, you need to do this now because that's what you've conditioned yourself to do. And we're feeling ourselves almost like lab rats conditioned to check our phones way more often than we need to to be responsible, you know, workers or friends. Okay, this is a beautiful segue to our final case study, Eric Silver, because he has conditioned himself to use his phone in a very inappropriate place. So Eric's in Brooklyn, and he is, his phone is really causing him to struggle professionally. Here's his story. At the same time, I'm an English teacher in a high school, and although I use my phone in the classroom as a timer and to look things up, I, I'm finding myself wanting to tweet while I'm there, and that doesn't exactly inspire any confidence <laughs> in me as a teacher. And at the same time, I'm a new teacher, and my brain is just filled with all of the things that I should be doing at this high school, and when I come home, I want to write, uh, I want to think, and I just can't, and I get sucked into my phone. I think this will jumpstart my brain and actually give me what I'm looking for. And Scott, we heard this from a lot of people. That the, and, and that's a question, you know, are these people self-selecting? Are these the people who are feeling the effects of the smartphone most acutely? You know, it's so interesting. I, I'd like to bring in the molecule dopamine for a second, if I may. Please do. Because, you know, uh, dopamine is a molecule that, is, that really helps influence our expectations. You know, what we, whether or not we expect a reward. It doesn't have to do necessarily our feeling of happiness or pleasure. That's a misconception. It has to do with what we expect. And these phones and, and things of that nature have conditioned us to constantly activate this dopamine system. And it, it kind of hijacks the rest of our system. But great artists, scientists, creators... Research also shows they have an abundance of dopamine in their system that allows them to um, to deal with novelty. So if we if we can view dopamine as sort of in short supply, how do we want to spend that dopamine? Do we want to spend it to increase our novelty and our wonder and our excitement for um, for creating meaning and creating new things like art, or do we want to constantly spend it um, dealing with our phones and Twitter? I mean, that does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes total sense, but. I'm wondering if either of you have any hypotheses about how adulthood could be impacted for kids today. I actually talked to the sociologist Keith Hampton. He's a professor at Rutgers University who wrote that Pew Research report about stress. Mm -hmm. Um, He and I were on WHYY's radio time show. I just want to play you a quick clip from that. There are, you know, I think good evidence to suggest that breaks from technology and breaks from everyday activities to focus on creativity and to give yourself time to daydream have a lot of benefits, and I wouldn't dispute that. 
Um, that said, everybody likes a good moral panic. And I think that we've had moral panics about new technologies for centuries. Um, Muslim scholars in the 14th century were writing about uh, information overload, too many books. Uh, you know, a hundred years ago, we were concerned about uh, this new phenomena of dads sitting at kitchen tables reading newspapers, a spend of time, uh, spending time with their wives and their children. Uh, and I don't think much has changed. I mean, a new technology, a new moral panic, it's very hard to, you know, be able to look back in time and say, they had it so much better, we have it so much worse. Uh, the reality is that we tend to have more leisure time today than we've had in the past. Is phone use just the same as worries that we had when the radio or TV or cars were introduced? Is there something oh. different happening today? I really do think we're in an unprecedented point in human history where we have so many things that can compete for our attention that are so readily accessible. Mm -hmm. I would deny the argument that our great-great-grandparents had just as many forms of entertainment to compete for their attention. And I would also say that, you know, I'm, I'm not longing for a pre-telephone age or something like that. But every time we infuse society with a new kind of technological skill or ability, there's an unsettling period where we first just get taken with the technology and we're using it sort of indiscriminately without really understanding its effects. And then we need to step back and say, hey, look at where this is taking us. Is this where we want to go? And we need to be more sort of planful and more strategic about how we integrate these devices into our lives so that we can use them in ways that promote and don't hurt uh, social understanding, for example, and use them in ways that promote and don't hurt creativity. So we need to be more proactive in uh, admitting these things into our lives as compared to just sort of having them forced on us and not being reflective about how they're changing our life. I agree. I, I, I want to be make absolutely clear. I'm not anti-entertainment, by the way. <laughs> a, no, I I'm think a, that I'm that's... A, I'm a fun guy. I, I love entertainment as much as the next I, I can, person. I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I think that what Mary Hunt said is spot on. The problem that I see, because I do think we're at such an unprecedented point in history where so many things could pay attention, is that it's becoming increasingly more difficult to sort out the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. Well, I'm really hoping that our week of challenges is going to help us sort of inform where you go potentially with your research in the future. We're going to give it a try. It's not going to be as scientific as the stuff you both do in your labs, but I think we're going to have some more interesting stories to tell about what works when it comes to sort of rethinking how we use our phones and, and maybe tapping that inner life a little bit more. Sounds great. I'm looking forward to hearing about uh, how it goes. Can't wait. Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman and Dr. Mary Helen Imordino-Yang have been with us for this discussion. It was so fascinating. Listeners, here's what's going to happen next, okay? We're going to have a challenge for you every day next week, starting Monday, February 2nd. Every day that week, you're going to get a little mini podcast in the morning that's going to talk you through your mission for the day to help you rethink how you use your phone, to rev up your creative thinking. And even if you're not doing the challenges, these little shows, they have personal stories, new data, research about the digital dilemmas that we're all kind of facing. And it's going to be so awesome. I'm so excited and nervous and thrilled. But hey, I know that there are thousands of you also feeling this way, so that makes me feel better. We can do it. Our baseline right now, people, is 95 minutes a day on our phones. Does that feel right to you? If it does, cool. I am personally going to try to get down to 30 minutes a day and 20 check-ins. Oh, I can't believe I'm saying it out loud. Okay. If they haven't signed up already, get your kids, your colleagues, or your friends. Get them on board. Haha. -ha. 
at newtechcity.org board. And that is where you can keep your thoughts and questions coming too. Thank you, by the way, so much for all the feedback. It is what is guiding and shaping this project and this show. For now, I'm Manoush Samarodi. This is New Tech City. Enjoying the last couple days I have to binge on my phone. This is the Bored and Brilliant Project. It's going to be awesome. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, thank this, you. By then. the way, this was the longest I've ever gone in my life without checking Twitter. <laughs> but, you know, 30 <laughs> minutes and no Twitter. This is crazy. I mean, obviously, I'm joking, not the longest. But it, uh, I'm starting to feel like my hand's shaking a little bit.